Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Well, good morning, everyone out there. And good morning, Taz. Good morning, Paula. Well, today our guest, Maureen Dawn Healy, is a well-known author, speaker, and healer working directly with parents and children. She specializes in helping highly sensitive and intuitive kids. You may have seen her work at Psychology Today, PBS, or her books, Growing Happy Kids and The Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, Your Guide to Raising and Resonating with the New Children. Maureen's latest book holds our hand as we learn how to communicate more efficiently and effortlessly with our new energetic children called the Indigos. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, just peering into Maureen Healy's work is simply heart dancing. Um, she's worked with children in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. And in 2007, she taught Tibetan refugee children in Dar- uh, Dharamsala, India, and was fortunate enough to attend classes with His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. Along with Maureen's 15 years of global experience, she also holds traditional credentials with a BA in psychology and MBA from Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. She then um, has completed her doctoral um, coursework in child development at Fielding in Santa Barbara, California, and is a Reiki master in the USUI lineage of energetic medicine. Dr. Oz has stated energy medicine is the future of all medicine, and Maureen strongly agrees. Well, Maureen is frequently contacted by top media outlets relative to children's emotional health and healing. Some of her recent interviews include Martha Stewart Living Radio and Scholastic Magazine. Well, Maureen, it's such a pleasure to have us with have you with us today. Uh, we're going to have uh, quite a show. So welcome. Thank you. Well, this is a hot topic, Maureen. <laughs> People really want to find out about, you know, how to support our children and our indigo children. And it's so wonderful that someone like you have has picked up the ball and traveled and, and um really done a lot of research. Um, how, how did this all begin for you? 
how did this begin for me? Was that the question? Yeah, how did all this yeah, begin yeah. for you? Well, I mean, I'm a sensitive adult, and I was a sensitive child, and certainly I began my career counseling adults and realized that I just could have a more of a impact with children, and I resonated very deeply with the sensitive children, and I just saw more and more kids who were highly sensitive but also had this stubborn, strong-willed, what someone called defiant energy, as well as this shared mindset that, that the indigos have, and they uh, can... You know, their energy can go in a healthy direction pretty quickly or it can go in a direction that's not so good. So really it was sort of, I felt called to uh, write something that, you know, helps more parents and teachers and doctors and healers. Do you think there's more sensitive children now than when we were children? Absolutely, although certainly, uh, you know, decades ago when most of, people on the phone were being raised. There were still sensitive children, and they are now sensitive adults, but it was handled very differently, too. But nowadays, you know, I guess back in the old days, they'd say, hey, get over it, you know, and you did what you could to fit in. Or nowadays, kids just are a little bit unprogrammable. They are who they are, and they want to be who they are, and it's the adults around us who have to uh, raise them differently in order to succeed. Plus, the children are in a by uh, electronic uh, machines, computers, TVs, more than what we were when we were children. We, I think we played more outside instead of being constantly bombarded with electrical disturbances. Right, but it's not all bad. I certainly think in moderation it's, it's not a bad thing, but, it, but you're right. I mean, I think the media can have an uh, influence greatly. Can you tell us why you wrote the Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, um, your guide to raising and resonating with the new children? Sure. I mean, I see more and more sensitive children in my office, whether they're highly sensitive, they're called indigos, crystals, starseeds, or whatever label we want to put on them, the big umbrella is sensitive children. And I found out over and over again that, you know, there are certain ways to parent and teach and coach these children that really work for them and certain ways that don't work for them. And the idea is to help more adults, you know, nurture them and raise them in ways that are healthy and really, you know, support they are. Oh, we're, li- are we're losing sorry, you, Maureen. Oh, okay, okay, I'm here. Sorry. Um, there are more ways, you know, to help these kids get raised in ways that work for them. And also the book is divided up into three sections. The first one is, you know, what is indigo energy? How does it work? The second one is how do, how do they heal? Because they respond very well to energy healing. And the third one is how to have success for them. And the part where how to have success for them can can be applicable to sensitive adults and sensitive children, but I wrote it specifically, you know, regarding children. Is there a difference between highly sensitive versus indigo kids? Yes. Highly sensitive is uh, a description that talks about children who are highly sensitive, meaning they have a highly responsive nervous system, and they are sensitive. It could be senses, meaning smell, sight, taste, touch. You know, they could be sensitive to the energy in the room, where indigo children are highly sensitive, but they're more. They also hold what seems to be two opposing qualities, is a high sensitivity and the other one we're losing you. Hi there. Can you hear me? Okay. Hi. Yes. Can yes. you repeat uh, that yeah. again, please? 
Yeah, sure. I'm I uh the Indigo Children High Level. Oops. So, uh, Maureen, are you on a cell phone? Maureen, we're loose. We've lost you. Hi. Oh, she's left. So okay. she'll have to call back in, I think. She'll call back in. Okay. Hopefully. Well, you know, this is really, you know, people, you can actually notice around you when you see children that are more stubborn. And, and the, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, how we would have handled that <laughs> years ago. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a different kind of stubbornness. They They really have their own mind. Right, right. I'm back. Sorry about that, guy. Okay. Are you on a cell phone, or or what are you? I on? am, I am. But I will. Uh, I will there's not no move way around. For... Okay. I don't have a landline here in the in the spot, right? Okay. So, um, so you were describing the difference between a highly sensitive child and an indigo um, kid, and um, so you were saying that the indigo child has what the sensitive has, but it's a little bit more so. Can you be more descriptive? Sure. The indigo children have the same thing as high, highly sensitive children, but they have, in addition to the sensitivity, they have a high level of um, what many would call defiance or stubborn. It's really, it's really this fierce energy. So they hold high sensitivity, but they also hold this high intensity or fierceness that can uh, be used for good or can sort of go in the wrong direction. Um, but along with that high sensitivity and fierceness, they also have a similar mindset. So there are things that they deeply want, like they want to be treated fair, they want to be treated equal. So there's things that are really close to them in their mindset, and if they get triggered, um, even unknowingly by adults, you know, there's issues. So it's really the book I wrote because just to help people understand them better, because it's often in how we perceive these kids. If we see them differently, you know, they respond differently too. So that really makes them stubborn if uh, you go against the grain of their belief system. So yeah, does it I help? Mean, they, well, they have they have that high sensitivity, but they have this strong-willed nature. So they will want to do what they want to do, and it's helping them realize, you know, how do you channel that intensity for good? So it's a key piece of having success with them. So discussing things with them or, you know, saying something like, well, I understand uh, how you're feeling and this is how we can work with it. Does it help discussing with the child? It's really, which is what I think you're talking about. So, you know, the old way of parenting of saying, hey, do it my way because I said to it would never work for them. Um, it's really, it takes more effort up front, whether you're teaching or parenting or nurturing them, but to help them give them a voice and give them choices and negotiate with them and not necessarily make them special, so to speak, but really help them um, be heard and also help them understand, well, hey, this is how it works in the planet Earth. You know, we have to stand in lines. I don't want to stand in line to the supermarket either, but if we want to have dinner, this is what we got to do. So it's a lot of coaching and guidance and really helping them understand that, hey, this is where you are, this is how it works, 
And yes, I will support you in being who you are, which is very different, but you also have to work with me. That's sort of part of the program. Now, to be a teacher and have sensitive children, indigo children, and normal children all in one classroom, I would think that would be super hard. Uh, Do you work with teachers? I do, and I would never use the word normal because there's sort of no way to define normal, but the idea of having lots of children who are being born now who have these high sensitivities, I mean, it's just become part of a good school system that deals with children who have, whether it's sensory integration or they just have, they're highly sensitive in nature, they're very uh, aware of sound, smell, taste, touch. I mean, it really takes, you know, a skilled teacher to be able to honor them and not to consider them as just a challenging kid. Well, I've actually been in a situation where, um, uh, you know, I could see the overall aspect and a couple of adults were really kind of edgy. And so I ended up saying something actually to my to my grandchild. <laughs> and uh-huh. I said, Can you wait? I said, Can you wait and um and wait? And he said, No, I can't wait. You know, he he didn't he wasn't he wasn't sensitive enough to realize that the circumstance wasn't going to fly well. You know what I mean? Right. And so he just was really being belligerent and um and I thought, this is your grandson, not another, not another adult, right? No, my grandson. And uh-huh. I could feel the energy within the car, you know, with the with the uh-huh. grown ups and the whole thing, and uh-huh. and then you know his father going to come into the circumstance, and I went, well, his father needs to, <clears throat> you know, I mean, his father was kind of edgy, and there's a few things that had to happen, and and I thought, wow, you know that it. It's okay. They're great. I mean, you know, the, normally the kids are really great, but I mean, I could mm-hmm. see that that he just was not gonna let anything fly for the moment. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, he just was going to go after it. And I thought, wow, there's, you know, so I just kind of forgot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let the circumstance just unroll as it as it unrolled. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay. You know, they they got their own mind. They're very, you know, ugh, um, very right. pushy. Very, if they want, if they really think something, is, so hot. And again, you know, when you're in school like this, my goodness, the teachers must. Uh, what do they just say? Time out for five minutes here, and then we'll talk about it. Or how do they deal with this? I mean, I mean, you're getting at the crux of the situation, and there's such an intensity to them that they really need to develop a positive and genuine relationship with someone that they feel really safe with and that they can, that someone can say to them, hey, I totally get, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to do that either. I know why you want to do that, but, like, hey, you know, they need coaching and guidance that we can't do that right now or that's not how it works. You know, they really almost need a mentor to help them along, someone who has similar sensitivities or someone who is able to really sort of get them and see their best, even if they're having a problem. And if they are, you know, in a moment, you know, you can do a timeout or you can say, you know, you can you can give them uh, a break. Oftentimes they just need a channel for their energy. So whether it's a distraction, take a walk, wash your hands, you know, they need to be able to get what's coming out coming out, because under that frustration is an intense energy or emotion. Oh, yeah, very intense. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, had a, I have a, uh, a friend that 
uh, her daughter's older now, but when she was younger, she was so sensitive that she would pick up um, energy from other children, uh, energy, sad energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she would say to her mother, I don't know why, but I don't want to go to school. I, I don't know mm-hmm. why. And that they found out this one, when this one little girl actually moved, uh, she got better. So mm-hmm. it was something with that one little girl, and that one little girl seemed sad all the time. So she was pick, picking up the sadness from the other girl. Yeah, and I talk about that actually in the book. It's very common with sensitive children. So I talk about in the last chapter, like, energy protection exercises and grounding them, because often and they're very easy to be imaginative and creative, but they have a hard time sort of finishing things on planet Earth. Uh, Do they have a hard time concentrating? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. They call that ADHD, attention dialed to a higher dimension. So they're, you know, they're really, it's easy for them to be imaginative and creative, and it takes, um, you know, sort of some tips and some tricks and how to help them complete things and how to help them channel their energy and how to protect their energy because, like you said, they're so sensitive they easily pick up uh, if they see someone being bullied or a fight or someone else who just has issues. So it's really important for them to learn boundaries, you know, where do they begin and where do they end. Well, I I kind of, you know, I can kind of look, and I my grandson has incredible um, penetrating power for for reading and, and the whole thing. I mean, it's like awesome. But, I mean, I could see that that, that energy was very strong. It was like, you know, this is the way, that's justice. <laughs> the thought uh-huh. came out. Well, that's not justice. Um, that's not, you know, uh, the way things should be. And the the opinion was, like, already instilled. I mean, it was, wow. I mean, you know, and um, so it, I, I'm thinking if you have umpteen children like this in school, gee, many Christmas. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and that's why they do better is, in different schools. That's why they do better in different schools. You know, not every school is equipped to handle you know, unique needs. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. have, the, What I'm trying to think of the names of schools. Um, that like Waldorf teach. or yeah. um, even Montessori. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different schools nowadays, really great schools that are better, that where kids thrive. You know, it, the school match is so important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but not every parent can afford uh, to send their children to those kind of schools. So. Right. There are also charter schools that are that are equally as great. But the teachers are inundated in, uh, with having to grade papers, having to have them have scores, having to make reports to the school board, the principal. I mean, they have all this paperwork to do. I, I know several teachers, and that's what they talk. They don't have time to teach, mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. you know, because of all the paperwork that they have. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh. Well, Maureen, you've you've actually written two books, okay? What is it? Uh, the Growing Happy Kids and right. um, the Energy Keys to Indigo Kids. Now, are these mm-hmm. two books connected in any way? Well, sure. I mean, they're both about children. Growing Happy Kids is about how to develop inner confidence and uh, a deeper sense of strength and resilience in children, and that's certainly needed 
even more for sensitive children. I mean, they need to develop a sense of strength to overcome obstacles and persevere when life gets challenging. So I wrote that first because all kids need that, and it's the foundation for a lasting sense of happiness. But sensitive kids need it, need it in spades. And, um, you know, more and more I've just seen more and more sensitive children come into my office and that need assistance. So that's why I wrote The Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids is because I've had so much success working with them, counseling them or coaching them, but along with the counseling to also use energy work with these kids and to teach energy work to them. So that's where the energetic key to indigo kids is that when you start looking at them from a perspective of energy and parenting them from that energetic perspective, you can have more success with them. Now, did you always use um, energy work in your practice? or did I did you not start doing that after? Yeah, as soon as I started getting more and more sensitive children. I mean, I've always had energy work myself personally, but I got professionally into it when I started getting more and more sensitive children. Now, how do uh, the parents accept this? I mean, that's that would be new to some parents. They've never heard of energy work. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, it's the range. I, I certainly, um, I live in a place where it's more, you know, mainstream, I would say, but certainly depending upon where you are and who you are, it, it can be outside of your either your comfort zone or something new to you. And I think that the idea is, you know, it's non-invasive, hands-on healing, Reiki is what I work with. And the idea is that, you know, parents are willing to try it. If they're having challenges or their child has some sort of emotional upset, they're willing to give it a try. And when they see positive results from it, they're willing to continue, especially if uh, I teach children energy work. So, in other words, I help them learn it so that they can, when they're anxious about a test or when they can't sleep, they can help themselves. And that's really the goal is to help children figure out, you know, how do they manage their own energy because we can't be there all the time. So it really can be a very powerful approach. Oh, yes. I mean, that's been needed for years and years. Because I, um, I wish that was around when my children were younger. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, do you teach... Do you, uh, teach um, parents to work with their children individually? I mean, can they can they bring you in and, and um, you know, as a family that you work together? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've worked with uh, I've worked with whole families, I've worked with children and then I work with their parents. You know what we do we do what's needed at that time and I also uh besides working in California I certainly I work with parents uh and children via Skype and uh telephone because it, that's really the Skype has been great because you know the highly sensitive kids and the indigos that you know they're everywhere they're not just in the U.S. so it's people really all over the globe saying okay what do we do here now do children still have imaginary friends I I remember having one when I was a child yeah, I mean, kids are very connected, so they certainly have imaginary friends or metaphysical or intuitive experiences. I mean, they're not, um, you know, I think that sometimes we think that, you know, kids can't think abstractly, and I've just found more and more kids be able to have really intelligent, amazing, not only conversations, but be able to figure things out that I don't think kids could figure out previously. You know, I had a situation where, 
a dad was having a hard time putting the Christmas lights up on the house. But his six-year-old came up, so I said, oh, just do this, this, and this, and it'll work. And the kid figured it out. So, you know, these these sensitive kids are very intuitive and tuned in and oftentimes gifted. So um, it's really just helping them, you know, manage their energy so they can bring their gifts to the world and not get stuck in, uh, you know, this challenging, being being challenging, let's put it that way. Have the children read the books that that um that you have and they can look at it and they can see, oh yeah, this is what I'm feeling or or, or have you had that experience? Um, I've certainly had the experience, yeah, where children um you know, the books are written for adults, so that's the first piece. But certainly depending on the child and their reading level they certainly, I've had kids look at the description of indigos, you know, the high energy, highly intuitive, sometimes prone to depression, can swing from low self-esteem to grandiosity, high intuitive intelligence. They can look at the different sort of what is, what makes up an indigo, and they can go, oh, yeah, that's me, oh, yeah, that's me. You know, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> okay. So, so um, do indigo children have confidence problems, and, and if so, how does one nurture that in this circumstance? Well, I think that, um, uh, you know, the, the piece of the puzzle is that, you know, highly sensitive children in general are very sensitive, right? So they're sensitive to criticism. They're sensitive to what people say. They're sensitive to failing an exam. You know, they're they're very sensitive. So all sensitive children you know, have a little bit of a need to really have their confidence built up on a daily basis. And and since, you know, it's not a really, it's not a simple subject, I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, Growing Happy Kids, the book is all about confidence. I present what I call the five building blocks of confidence in that book. So in that book, I really go through, you know, how do you develop this deeper sense of confidence from outer to inner confidence. And it was really interesting to write that book because not only did, you know, parents read it for their children, but they said, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I need. So it was really, really interesting. I was going to say that probably helped the parents as well as the children. Absolutely. Have you thought about writing um, a book for younger children? Um with a lot of illustrations so that they can get it on a younger level through through a, a children's book? Yeah, I mean, I have I have thought about writing children's books. I, I, you know, it's a wonderful idea, and and uh, it's a whole different market, obviously, but I, I, I'd love to do that. I just think you could get a lot of messages through that way. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's why, you know, the Wimpy Kids and Harry Potter, I mean, that's why those are so fantastic, because they, you know, empower children in a new way, actually. Oh, and another question, have have you ever done, like, workshops or camps for children, like, during the summer vacations? I have done workshops for kids. I have done um, specifically, you know, classes specifically aimed at sensitive children to help them sort of gain tools to manage their energy and also to develop their intuition because, um, you know, it's it's a gift for them. And, they, you know, when you learn how to develop your intuition, 
you know, it can really help you. It can help you navigate life and challenges well. So it, it, it's a good thing. Well, when you were talking about the, the little boy that suggested how his father should put his Christmas lights up, uh-huh. almost like he contacted somebody. Um, you know how we're, I've been... I've been able to contact uh, a guide or something that is is a good artist or a good mechanic. So it sounds like mm-hmm. maybe that he connected with someone that was electrically like electrical engineer or something. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. teach the children that they can connect? Sometimes they can just see the big picture, and when we get sometimes mm-hmm. stuck in the little dots, they can step back and go, "Oh, I know what we need to do," <laughs> you know. Well, too bad adults, well, I guess we could learn how to do that, to step back, but that would be a good uh, learning tool for adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maureen, there must be a couple of stories you can tell our listeners about that we'd love to hear that maybe might well, have surprised you along the way. Sure. I mean, I guess, you know, one piece is that sensitive children are everywhere, and it's really not a, you know, the main point is to see that, sensitivity is a strength and not as a handicap. And I think a big piece of the puzzle is helping kids find a mentor. Um, but as far as stories go, you know, I mean, I've I've worked with children to overcome all sorts of things from quirky things like, you know, being afraid of tattoos and living in New York City, which is really hard to, you can't promise your kid there's never going to be a tattoo, right? To... <laughs> You know, it's, it's you know, it's not it's not boring to other children who you know, I had a little kid who um you know, he he was having trouble going to sleep but he saw the trailer, it was a movie that came out I think a year or two ago, Frankenweenie and it was like a really terrifying little trailer to the movie where they you know, it was animated and they electrocuted the dog back to life. But he couldn't sleep for nights and you know, I totally understood his situation because, you know, I was scared when I saw the trailer, too, and I'm an adult. So, you know, it's really helping these kids get someone that's willing to work with them, whether it's a therapist, a teacher, a coach, or parent, to know them and to guide them to say, you know, validate what they're feeling. Well, we lost you again. Do you have me now? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yes, we can hear you now. Fine. Yeah, great. Well, it sounds like parents with sensitive children should um, be really careful in what um, they see on TV or movies they see because it could really... Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Even more so than other kids, I would agree, because lots of kids will see something and they just shake it off. It's no big deal. But sensitive kids really take things in on a deeper level, and it makes it even more important for them to really see positive things and not to not to brush aside them, meaning, like, if they're scared of something, you know, don't make them watch it. Or if they really, for some reason, have a fear of something, don't say it's no big deal, but validate it and help them manage and, and navigate through. Because they'll oftentimes have sort of quirks, for lack of a better word. They'll be a little quirky. You know, they are afraid of things that other people aren't or they're scared or there's something else going on. Do you believe in past lives? Absolutely. Because the, the, the child you were talking about was uh, that was afraid of tattoos, I, you know, that mm-hmm. quickly went in my mind was some, maybe something happened in another life with someone mm-hmm. with a tattoo. 
Right, that's true. I mean, so oftentimes I'll see young children at, you know, four or five years old that know exactly what they want to do, and, and that's pretty extraordinary. So I always think, you know, who were they in a past life that, that came in knowing? Like I had a four-year-old who said, oh, I'm going to be a rescue airline, a, a airline rescue pilot this life, and I said, okay. And he only noticed because I had a Red Cross radio that it was in my room, and he goes, oh, I need that. You know, it's so fascinating. Oh yes, oh. <laughs> I, I had a friend. I had a friend that um, her little girl spoke Portuguese words, and no, the child was not exposed to anybody that spoke Portuguese, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, she lost it after, you know, about three years old. But I just thought that was mm-hmm. amazing. Right, right. And that's, you know, these young kids that are born, they they come and connected and intuitive and, you know, it's really our goal is how to help them, you know, develop that sensitivity and strength and stay connected to their imagination and all that there is while learning how to navigate this sometimes sort of not-so-sensitive world at times. So it's really that balance between sensitivity and strength and reason and intuition and giving them life skills that really helps them thrive. I was going to say, having a young baby like this is definitely. I mean, a a child is full time anyhow, but uh, you know the 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 uh, the changes of not realizing what somebody wants, and I I guess they would scream a lot, basically. I mean, because if they can't talk, I mean, what you know? How do you? You know, how do you I mean, you know if your child them? is sensitive. You know what I mean? Like my mother told me, she's like, when I was six months old, I refused to wear wool. I mean, you know when kids are, you know, they know. Kids have an inner wisdom to them. They know what they want and what they don't want. And the interesting thing is also, you know, kids aren't just sensitive to, like, lights and sounds and the way people speak to them. They're also physically sensitive you know, the better foods we feed them and the better nutrition and exercise and things like that, the better these kids behave and the better they feel. So, you know, they're sensitive in a lot of ways. Well, and I would think with all the refined foods, um, we have mm-hmm. to be more careful with what they eat now than ever. Yeah, I mean, I've, I work with clients. I often work very closely with a naturopath because sometimes there are issues that are behavioral that as soon as we change the diet, it's like we have a new child. And that's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, actually. And I know diet in my own life has been an extraordinary, you know, when I changed and ate better and better, I mean, my, my I felt physically better. And I know that I just was a better human being because I felt so much better. So it's a, it's a big impact. So it's the whole package. <laughs> Yes, and yes, sometimes yes. It's, sometimes it's hard to figure out which part you need to work on the most. Right, right, right. But it doesn't have to be complicated, and that's why I wrote the book Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, because it's really a comprehensive guide of not only, you know, certainly Western medicine if you need that, but there's on the middle section it's all about alternative medicine, whether it's hands-on healing or acupuncture or crystals, or sound therapy, or color therapy, but doing things that really resonate with your child to help lift their emotions up and build their confidence, and also 
um, the end, the last section of, you know, what they need to succeed. I mean, how do you help them not only learn how to manage their emotions and sensitivity, but how do you help them, you know, be their unique person? Because oftentimes indigos and sensitive children are very different. They're they're very gifted, but they're very, they, they don't necessarily fit into a cookie-cutter model of children. Plus, if, if um, you use the old time, you know, uh, you know, listen to what I have to say and don't do anything else, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that can really put down a person so they're they're scarred for life. Child. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean I think it's I mean, these kids uh, really need to have their voices heard, even if they can't quote unquote get their way or we can't do what they need they want to do, but they need to be able to be heard and really seen and, you know, supported. They have this deep sense of being equal to adults and authority figures, whether you're their parent or you're their principal. If you're lying or you're wrong, they're gonna tell you. So they really need that sense of partnership. Okay, you know, I am on your side. You know, I want to see you succeed, but this is what we have to do now. They really, and it takes more effort from adults and parents and teachers, but in the end it will work out better because you won't have the same number of meltdowns that you do or issues or problems. So it it, it is a different style and approach of nurturing them. But it comes natural to some people and it doesn't come natural to others. So that's why I wrote the book is to help people say, okay, I could do this a little differently. And oftentimes I find one parent really sort of tuned into their child and another one is like, I don't know, I feel like there were a Martian dropped off in my life, you know. So it's it's always really sort of a, a dimension of our spiritual practice and our growth to raise children because, you know, how can you unconditionally love a child when they're screaming their head off? So it's really, you know, it is gross, but there are ways that work better. Well, sometimes you know, the child come into the parent's life to teach the parents lessons. Absolutely. Wow. Do you find that um, music or colors, um, when parents work with music or colors, do you, is that a calming agent for the children? Um, does that help them to be able to speak um, more easily and get out their feelings, or what? What are you finding on that? Well, you know, these kids are really sensitive, so they're certainly sensitive to um, lots of things. And I find that things that are more alternative medicine or holistic, like color therapy or sound healing, I think they have. There is a science behind them. For example, you know, there's crystal singing bowls that will bring a child's brain waves into, you know, beta, will help them actually scientifically relax more. So when you use music to either help them relax or help them, you know, feel optimistic about life, whether it's something positive being said, you know, they can be a tool. And certainly color. I mean, we've all had, I mean, I organize my closet by color, but I know that kids have this deep resonance with color, and it feeds them the way food does. You know, sometimes you'll hear a kid say, I only want to wear pink, you know, and they go through weeks only wanting to wear pink, you know, because they know what they need and how it makes them feel. So sort of giving them a voice and a choice with that thing, with those options are really wonderful and can help them. And I think that, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in feng shui and, and even crystals and organizing a child's, you know, home space so that it's relaxing and, 
you know, and it's also confidence building, whether you have a wall of pictures of all the things they've done, you know, helping remind them who they are on a, a blatant but also a very subtle level, that there's things around them that they love, whether it's learning to marry or divorce, whatever it is, so that they can really begin to fall in love with themselves, I believe is important. I, uh, what about, what? I was going to say, a sensitive child that has parents going through a divorce, um, that must be even worse for them than the children that aren't so sensitive. Well, you sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes, you know, sensitive kids are very intelligent. So sometimes they're like, oh, this is a lot better than when our parents are together. You know, they're really honest with you. So they, they can see through things sometimes and say, hey, you know, this does stink. But, you know, there's really a lot of good things. I get two sets of gifts. I get two bedrooms, you know. So they're, it's, their kids are much more flexible, I think, today than they have been previously. They're much more resilient. And divorce nowadays is sort of commonplace, where when I was growing up, you know, I, I didn't really know anyone who was, whose parents were divorced. I knew people who were unhappy, but I didn't know anyone who was divorced. Going back to the color and, um, and sound, do children mm-hmm. um, give you any feedback on this and, in other words, if if you've had hands-on where the the child would say, you know, this really does assist me, or and he was more more verbal about um, what he was receiving from this aspect, and maybe he hadn't thought about it before, or or, or what happened. I mean, is there anything like that 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 you can relate to our our listeners? Sure. I mean, I've worked a lot with flower essences, crystals, which are have color in them and uh, the hands-on healing. And oftentimes I'll have children pick out colors and they happen to just see the colors that they need in their aura or in their uh, energy body. So, you know, underneath our physical body is an energy body and anyone who has and everyone can learn how to perceive or sense, you know, uh, that higher sense perception. But if you can, you know, tune into things, you know, you can learn what your children need, meaning oftentimes, you know, the word indigo symbolizes the sixth chakra or the level of intuition, which is, you know, your third eye chakra, which is in your forehead. And these kids are very intuitive and very perceptive and very um, tuned in to being aware. And, you know, oftentimes they need other colors, which are like red or like, you know, different colors that need them to ground or Every child has different things going on. But, you know, I have found that children who lean towards certain colors, they need those colors. Those colors feed them at a very deep level. And the same thing with crystals. You know, I've had parents say, oh, well, my kids don't like crystals, right? So I go, okay. Then I go into the healing room and there's crystals. They go, oh, we love crystals. <laughs> it's actually a very rare child that I've found that doesn't like crystals. And, you know, there is a science behind crystals, too. They're in our computers and medical equipment and have been around for thousands of years. It's just they have a little bit of a perception of being woo-woo, but they really are powerful um, transmuters and, trans, and trans, uh, you know, trans energy. They are, have a powerful energy to them that can heal. And you mentioned flower essences. Uh, flower essences mm-hmm. really work well. Mm-hmm. I mean... Really well, really, really, really well, especially to activate or to relax a child. I mean, it can be very powerful now. So do you let, allow the child to smell the essence, or what happens? I mean, how do they choose, or 
I mean, or you, do you choose for them? But it seems to me they'd probably be able to choose for themselves. They would, but, you know, depending upon what's going on, say if you have a, a child that, you know, you've just been having challenges with their sleeping, you know, you might use lavender, which is very relaxing. You could put it on their soles of their feet or you could put it on their temples. You know, there's ways to use it in such that they can smell it, but it's really going to relax them along with gentle music and, you know, gritting the room with crystals. I mean, there's different ways that you can participate with your child. Say, all right, well, how can we make your bedroom the, the safest, calmest, most loving place that that we can that we can make it? Because I find that, you know, the sensitive children oftentimes do have fears and do have anxiety and they do have, you know, they can get depressed. So there, there's a lot of emotional guidance that they need, you know, how to handle their energy and their emotions. And to use a lot of these tools, kids love it. They naturally, naturally love it. So do some parents that are really super conservative, do they try to buck what you're saying? Like you said, parents said their child didn't like crystals. But, I mean, do you have parents kind of like backing away from all of this because they're so conservative? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's something you have to resonate with. You know, if it works for you, great, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, say if there was a very conservative parent, I might just recommend certain music. And, you know, most parents are willing to try, you know, music that's been proven to help children relax. So they're like, okay, we'll give that a shot. You know, music sounds good, whether it, or you can do prayers or, you know, certainly there's a whole host of different things. And you have to do what resonates with, for you and it's always great as an adult, if it's possible, if you can sort of check your own projections or beliefs on, and say, all right, let's see if my son or daughter, if, if they're open to crystal tea, what, see what they like. And encourage them to really use, whether it's sound or movement, even yoga, tai chi, karate. You know, the whole goal is to teach them how do they manage their energy and that they are in charge and they can make good choices, whether it, it means creating a room they really love or it means, you know, letting their frustration go or learning ways to energetically protect themselves. I mean, there's lots of different things that they can learn. I know you just mentioned martial arts. Um, mm-hmm. People seem to be really open to having their children do martial arts. And I, and I've like with my nephew, it really helped him. Mm-hmm. It helped him in uh, concentration. Mm-hmm. And he's such a confidence builder, you know what I mean? Uh, not only just getting the new belt, but it's really, you know, it's a mind-body-spirit sort of exercise, and it really helps these kids develop that inner strength and resilience. And like you said, it helps with focus and concentration, and it helps, I mean, it helps them really stand up for themselves, which is something that all sensitive kids need to learn because it doesn't always come easily. And uh, a music lesson sometimes really helps, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, as long as it's in the spirit of sort of uh, something that they love. You know, I'm not necessarily a fan of forcing kids, but I do believe in discipline. And, uh, you know, certainly I'm not a tiger mom approach is not necessarily my approach. But but certainly, you know, really encouraging kids to do something they love – to not only develop a sort of strength in it, but develop a skill, to really turn something into a skill, whether it's piano lessons or drumming or the flute, you know, where they can really um, excel at something, I think is wonderful. So it's... Well, that is... 
on the individual. I mean, the individual family, the individual child, uh, uh, what um, you help them work with. I was going to say that's a double whammy. In <laughs> uh, that, you know, if you're if the child goes after a music instrument, they can also play the music that harmonious to them. So that's yeah. Not not um, only can they do it harmonious to them, but it can be in the context of my book, the energetic use indigo kids. It's a great channel for their energy. You know what I mean? These indigo kids have such intense energy that they need to let it out every day, not once a week, every single day, whether that means reading a book, doing a puzzle, you know, whether that means jumping on a trampoline in the backyard, whatever that means. But they need outlets for their energy because if it stays stuck in their body, that sort of uh, can be a cause of illness or depression or, you know, emotional upset. So really helping them to connect to things they love to do and giving them the space and the opportunities to do those things. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be a little garden. It can be a book. It can be, you know, it can be creating their own video game in an after-school club. You know, it can be a whole host of different things. But giving them and encouraging them is, is, is a huge piece of uh, helping them learn how to manage their energy and self-soothe. Now, can there be too many activities? Because I know we we call people soccer moms because they're always on the highway taking their kids from here to here to here. And I saw right. some of the neighborhood kids, they don't have time to themselves. They have so many activities. Can there be can they be overwhelmed with that? Absolutely. I mean there can be too little and too much activities. I think that what I see in the general population is there's sort of an extreme. There's families without any activities and there's families with over activities. So really trying to strike that balance of moderation, of picking activities that are not only things your kids love, but certainly that are going to build their confidence, that's going to really, they're going to have that sort of social connections that's healthy, they're going to be able to make friends, they're going to have mentors, they're going to maybe be outside in nature at the soccer field, you know, picking activities that really work well for them, and then also making sure there's time for them to do nothing, whether that means, you know, uh, walking the dog or going outside and doing some sort of imaginative play. I think those are really important pieces, too. Now, what do you think about homeschooling? Because in my, I might be wrong, but I would think that children are, that are homeschooled, unless they have outside social activities with children, that they would lose the, the social connection. Um, homeschooling can be huge. It depends on... It depends on how it's set up. For example, I live in Los Angeles now, but I used to live in Asheville, North Carolina. And when I lived in North Carolina, they had a lot of homeschooling, like cooperatives where lots of families homeschooled. So even though the kids were at home, they would also get together with other kids who were at home. So it depends how it's set up. It can be set up very successfully, but there certainly needs to be intelligent teachers and there needs to be people really committed to these kids' success. And, you know, it takes a lot of effort. So, it, but it can be great. But it, it I, I wouldn't use homeschool as like just a, you know, I just, you know, if there's a problem, not to send them to school. So it, it can be, it, if it, it can be like anything in life. It can be done really, really well, or it can be um, left something to be desired. But it has the potential to be really great for kids who are gifted because it allows them to persevere and go far beyond the grade level that they're being taught in maybe a traditional school. So it can go either way. 
it, it, it can go either way. But if it's set up well and it has people who are, whether it's parents or uh, community members that really, you know, have skills and are willing to share them and teach them, that's great. And I love the idea. It's a little bit like Waldorf, but where kids who are homeschooled can certainly, you know, they can do things that, you know, they're not in the confines of it, like third grade. They can, I had a fourth grader who was reading at 12th grade level. So, you know, by homeschooling, he was able to progress in Latin and Spanish. He was able to just persevere and really go beyond what he would have been in regular school. So it can be great, but you're right in understanding that you know, you really need to be careful. They need to also get socialized and develop a social and emotional intelligence along with just academics. That's true. In Russia, they have um, some schools where kids go away, I think it's starting at the age 11, and they Mm -hmm. go to a complete school, and, and it's the people are there from 11 until around 21 years old or 20. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and and in through there they have all the grades in in one room, and mm-hmm. um, and they progress at their level, um, mm-hmm. and they learn how to build a building, they learn how to cook, they learn how, mm-hmm. you know, they're away from home, and it's been an exceptional experience for them, and and they're finding that these kids from age 11, uh, they're completing college levels in four to five years, and they're done. And um, and it's pretty incredible. So it's, you know, maybe it's a competition, but it's also maybe the thriving of being able to uh, progress at your own level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, kids uh, have natural gifts in certain areas, so when you give them the chance to learn about those things and express them, they can do amazing things. And I think of those schools that children teach the other children. The older mm-hmm. children will teach the younger children. Thank you, Paula. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. The older children teach the younger children, and it's, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing what's what's out there right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, yeah. yeah, I think what, I would think that, um, well, even in schools that I went to, uh, the older children came in and helped the younger children. And I think maybe there's more, uh, uh, I don't know what word it is, compassion. If you're, you know, you're helping a younger child, I think there would be um, a good connection there. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they're learning kindness, right, and patience. They need to right. be patient, right? That's huge. Right. Yes. And then they feel self-worth because they help someone else. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and not only that, but they're they're yeah you know, they're doing music, they're doing dance. I mean, a lot of the the beautiful dancers come out of some of these schools. So, um, wow, you know what? It is so exciting to know that there is someone like you sharing this information to really help people grasp what's happening and how things can work more smoothly in a home environment and even at school. And um, have you gone to churches also um, to share your book or – yeah, I mean, I certainly I've connected with like you know the centers for spiritual living and different places that are very open to metaphysics, and uh, I certainly have spoken at a lot of different places with Growing Happy Kids, my first book, which is more mainstream, and 
and uh, this book, The Energetic Key to Indigo Kids, uh, you know, I've, I've have bookstore, I have a book signing coming up in uh, Santa Barbara, California in October, and there's lots of things and people who are interested because, you know, the time is now for these sensitive kids, and uh, the more information that we get to people that really resonates with them, it's just, it, it'll be easier for everyone, and, and, and we're happy, you know, we all want to live our lives with more harmony and more ease and more joy, so that's the goal. Well, I'm excited because I see what we used to call alternative is now becoming mainstream. That's exciting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, Taz, do you want to give out uh, Maureen's website? Yes, her website is growinghappykids.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, her, let's see, your your book is The Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, and um, the undertitle, Your Guide to Raising and Resonating with the New Children. So uh, there's all kinds of articles on your website. I mean, we suggest for our listeners to visit uh, the website because there's a lot of information there. Maureen, if there isn't anything we um, haven't touched, uh, you have a couple of minutes if you want to share. And... um, and I want to make sure, is there a phone number you want people to connect with you or just simply go to the website? Sure. People can go to the website, thegrowinghappykids.com. I do have two chapters of my first book, Growing Happy Kids. You can download for free on the website. And people can connect with me and stay on my newsletter where I send out uh, free articles and just stay connected and hear the latest information. I've also started to get really active on Twitter, which I'm enjoying. So that's a lot of fun, too, if anyone does that. My uh, Twitter is MDHealy. Great. Yeah, people can ask questions on the Twitter. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Okay, so your name... Your name is Maureen Healy, H-E-A-L-Y, and your it was M like mother, B like boy, Healy. Is that correct? It was M like mother, D like dawn, and then Healy. M-D Healy is the uh, Twitter. Okay, very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow, you know what? Thank you so much for coming and being with us and sharing this message of, of support for parents and and uh, and for kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kids, yeah, parents. So there's help for people who have sensitive children or intuitive children, and uh, Maureen's there to support all the parents who don't know what quite to hand, how to handle these sensitive children. Mm-hmm. So we are so glad that you were with us today. And, uh, thank you for having for me. Thank you for sharing everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, have a great day. Yes, thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh huh. Bye bye. Thank you, Maureen. Bye. Well, Taz, I think we should put out our Twitter so people can connect with us. <laughs> 